I was walking in the woods, and it came to me as clear as day. The pieces just came together, and I understood how to move forward. This was an epiphany moment that came after a long, difficult period of time where the eco-overwhelm just seemed like it was too much. What came to me in the woods actually changed everything for me, and it's what I still rely on, and I even teach it. But before we get into it, I want to remind you that I am on a mission to help professional women who are deeply concerned about environmental and social issues, who want to find ways to take action that lights them up so that they can create meaningful change in the world. If this sounds like you, head over to my website. It's christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. And hit the Let's Chat button to set up a call with me. Okay, let's dive in. I am Christina Hunter, and you are listening to the Live Well Green Podcast, all about empowering you to create a more sustainable, equitable world. I taught environmental sustainability at the post-secondary level for 20 years, and yet I still felt that I was not doing enough. So I stepped back and began to focus on the big picture in order to find the key activities that actually make a difference and how to accomplish them without burning yourself out. Here, I guide you through the nuances of sustainable well-being so that you can lead the change that you want to see in the world. And we can truly flourish. It was a regular Wednesday, and I was on my way to work. I was driving over a bridge, and the thought occurred to me, just stop. (laughs) Please stop the world. I want to get off. Do you know that Kathy comic? (laughs) Well, that's what came to my mind. I remember seeing this cartoon decades ago, and it just stuck with me. Stop the world from spinning. I want to get off. And it was an enormous sense of overwhelm and sadness about the state of the world that I was feeling and my seeming inability to affect change as well as my overworked schedule with my workload, committees, projects, and I just felt like I was swimming against the current of society, where I felt we needed to go in a certain direction in order to save ourselves from this climate and environmental crisis, and nobody else was paying attention. And I was working so hard at it, I just wasn't getting anywhere. I was barely keeping my head above water. But it had also been a rough couple of years. I had breast cancer first and took very little time off with that, for which I was rewarded with a department head who said, now that you're back, I need you to make up for the work that you missed. (laughs) Yes, that's a thing. Not really what medical leave is all about. But I, like many people, considered cancer to be a wake-up call and a gift to some extent. It really focused me, and others have found this too, to assess my own life. 
And for the most part, it was going pretty good. Perhaps you've had this experience too with these big life moments. I ask questions like, am I with the right person? Well, my hubby and I came out stronger on the other side of it. But many of my breast cancer friends or bosom buddies, as we call each other, did not end up staying in their relationships. And then I asked, do I love my work? And the answer was yes, I love teaching environmental sustainability. And do I feel passionate about what I'm doing in the community? And it's true, I did. But life was still crazy. And I had the sense that I didn't quite learn some sort of greater lesson that I was supposed to have learned having gone through cancer. But after all of that, life went on and things returned to the new normal. And it was almost exactly three years after the breast cancer diagnosis that I find myself sitting outside the hospital on a cold stone bench all alone, trying to process the news that I likely had a second cancer. And this one came with complications. They ended up causing me three major surgeries, a few minor ones, medical errors, consults with the Mayo Clinic. And let's just say, after all of that, by the time I was driving over that bridge on my way to work and still seeing so much need for change to get us out of this environmental crisis, I felt worn out, depleted, like I just needed to get off of this crazy ride. So what did I do? Well, I booked myself in to see Miriam. (laughs) Well, we all need a Miriam, don't we? Miriam is a counselor at Cancer Care that I had met before, and I was very fortunate to get an appointment quickly and sat there in her office in her beautiful, comfortable space, a safe space, and I was offered tea before our appointment, and instead I opted for the pastels and paper to draw as we talked. And of course, Miriam is not just a talk therapy counselor, but also an art therapy counselor, which is where I had met her through those courses. And it was really, really useful to me. And so I was happy to be there. And she really resonated and her techniques resonated with me. So I opened up to her about what I was feeling, how I was feeling so overwhelmed with the grief over the state of the world my schedule, my lack of ability to sort of do enough in quotes, knowing that my time on this planet is limited. And I felt like I was working so hard and yet not getting anywhere. My days were so busy. I told her I didn't even have time to go to the washroom all day. I was wearing that like a badge of honor. Have you heard that before? Or maybe said it yourself? And you know those times when something that you say in your head, it sounds perfectly normal, but when you say it out loud to an actual person who has a tiny bit more sense and perspective than you do, and they give you that look, like, really? Really, Christina? And I knew it. (laughs) What do you mean you don't have time to use the washroom all day, Christina, right? Come on. All Miriam said to me was, in her calm and lovely voice, said, Christina, don't you think you deserve to make your body's needs a priority? Ah, there it was. That was the lesson that it took me two cancers to learn. It's okay to make your body a priority. Truly, I was getting the sense that I wouldn't be around to do the work if I didn't. 
How the hell do you actually implement that? I was really driven to do the work. All of the service and committees, I was the treasurer of this board and the chair of the campus sustainability committee. I was advising government on sustainability policy and legislation, doing community service. And yeah, I know my body has to be a priority. How do I pile that on? I mean, after all, it's not like I was unhealthy. I exercised regularly. I played ultimate frisbee at that point for two decades. I ate well, sleep often sacrificed, but the stress. Well, yes, <laughs> I accepted that that was part of my lifestyle, and I knew that I needed to change that. So I started to read, which is what I like to do, go to the research, go to the experts, read about those who know more about this and have actually solved this problem. So I read research on time management and on focus and living the life you want, etc, etc. So it was that that I was pondering as I was walking through the woods with my beautiful dog. Now, woods is a generous term. It's a little strip of river bottom forest along the riverbank near my home. It's a little dirt trail that I would often walk with my dog in the direction of downtown in order to meet my husband, AJ, on his way home from work. And as I was walking, I was considering what Miriam had said to me about being allowed to make my body a priority and all of the things that I was reading. And there it was. The answer just struck. It felt like an epiphany. It didn't have to be a trade-off between doing the work and caring for myself. I realized that caring for myself is an act of sustainability because I too am a being of this earth and deserve to be cared for. Well, I had been focusing on the environmental and social problems and how overwhelming it was and my deep desire to affect change in this realm, but it was actually affecting my physical and mental well-being. So I had to make this shift to realizing that caring for myself is an act of sustainability. It helped me to see that I was only partly living true to my values. While I valued helping others live more sustainably and getting organizations and governments on board with that, but truly, I also valued my health and well-being. So I was realizing that although I thought I was doing the right thing, I really wasn't being true to my values. I was only partly living them out. So the part about living my best life, being healthy and happy, was kind of falling by the wayside. So I took action based on the things I had read. And here's what I did. It was actually incredibly effective. And I even teach this in my program now. And my students have loved it as well. What I did was create a list of life categories. So, I mean, if you love spreadsheets like I do, here's your opportunity to create a spreadsheet. If not, a list on a piece of paper is fine. But I put out all these categories. For my students, I have them group it into three basic groupings. The first one being personal, 
and the next one relational and then contextual. So in the personal, I put things like physical health, mental well-being, spiritual well-being, but you might have other categories. And then in the next one I had in the relational category, I put, you know, my spouse, <laughs> my family, friends, colleagues, animals, my relationship with my dog. Yes, so it's important to me with the natural world and you can put whatever else you want in there. And then for the contextual, I put things like community, my career, my volunteer work, our finances, my hobbies, extracurricular, that type of thing. So those categories became something that you should think about as an account, almost like a bank account, where each of those categories have a balance. And you don't want to go into overdraft in one area all the time. You see where I'm going on this, right? You can't always be building up, working on, adding to one account and always drawing from another. It doesn't work that way. We have to make sure all of the accounts remain, in quotes, healthy, right? So we want to keep adding to each of the accounts and not just exclusively drawing from them. So the idea here is that will help us to have more balance in our lives and make sure that we actually... Mm, live out our values. <laughs> Doesn't that sound amazing? So that's what the premise is. What I did and what I encourage you to do is for each of those life accounts, just write a simple value statement. It doesn't have to be, you know, something that you spend a lot of time on, but just list what you value in that area of your life. For example, I wrote down, I value a healthy body because it makes me more effective healthier and able to do the work I want to do and have the life that I want. And it optimizes my chances of a long and healthy life. And it makes me feel great. So that was my value statement around my physical and mental health. So that's something to think about doing, just doing a little value statement for each of those accounts. Now we're not quite done yet. This is actually the hard part coming up here. What you need to do next is prioritize each of those life accounts. They must get a number and no two accounts can be tied. Ouch, right? That's pretty tough to do, I know. But it must be a hierarchy because we know life is choice. Life is full of choices all the time. We have to make the hard choices. And giving yourself a hierarchy gives you a clear understanding of what is most important to you. And mm, do I need to say it? <laughs> well, I will. Your personal health and well-being must be at the top of the list. I mean, sure, there might be specific events like caring for a baby's needs or some other specific time when you have to prioritize someone or something else above yourself. But in general, when we think about our life accounts in general, where we want to go overall at the end of the week, at the end of the month, we need to have our own health and well-being at the top. I'm sorry, but you know that old, you know, uh, analogy about the oxygen mask in the airplane, you're supposed to put it on yourself first before you put it on somebody else. And that's really true. So when we think 
on a monthly basis or an annual basis, what is your top priority? You need to have yourself first. In order to do the other work, you've got to be at the top. But you figure that out for yourself. If it's number two, maybe there's some other circumstances, but think through that. There's a tough task for you is to prioritize each of those accounts. Give them a number, one through whatever. You might have nine or 10 or 15 different life accounts, but give them each a priority ranking and no two can be tied. Now, this is the crux of it. What you need to do then or get to do then is use that ranking in your day-to-day decision-making. You see where I'm going here? This allows you to have made the decision in advance. What is your top life priority? Yes, lots of things are important, but what's most important? That will help guide you on a day-to-day basis. And you'll keep in mind those other things in terms of the balance in each of the accounts. Okay, so you haven't spent time with your friends in a long time, and that's important to you, but it means you'd have to miss a workout. Well, let's say you already did three out of your four workouts for this week. Aren't you awesome? (laughs) So then say, okay, well, that, that makes sense, right? I can miss a workout because I also value this. But I know my top priority is working out, but the account is still good. Okay, so this is here to help you on a day-to-day basis understand where your priorities lie and assist you in making those hard decisions when we feel like everything's important. I used to be faced with those decisions in my own life. Okay, it's 10 o'clock. Should I do my workout, go to bed, or finish that work? (laughs) Like, send some emails. Oh, no, there's no question. Now I understand there's no question. I should go to bed. (laughs) That's what my body needs. So There's a tool that's meant to make it clearer in our minds and so that we understand our general priorities, and it can be really useful just to see it on paper or in a spreadsheet. And and then that facilitates us using it as a decision-making tool on a day-to-day basis. All right. So that's what I did when the eco-overwhelm grief and anxiety just became too much. I sought guidance and I knew I had to make health my priority, but I couldn't figure out how. That's where I got the epiphany in the woods. I realized that caring for myself is an act of sustainability. I am also a being on this earth that deserves to be cared for. So I got really clear on acting on my priorities. I assessed them. I created a value statement around them and I ranked them. And then I was able to use that in my day-to-day decision-making and it has been incredibly useful for me. All right, that's all for now. Let me leave you with one last quote from Melissa Stegnes, who says, Self-care is your fuel. Whatever the road ahead or the path you've taken, self-care is what keeps your motor running and your wheels turning. End of quote. That's all for now. If you are interested in exploring these issues further, head on over to my website. It is christinahunterflourishing.com. That's Christina with a K. 
hit the Let's Chat button if you are a professional woman and are deeply concerned about climate change and the state of the world that we are leaving to future generations and want some guidance on the best steps to take. I would love to connect with you. While you are there, sign up for the Flourishing Fridays newsletter. It's your weekly guide to sustainable well-being and effective environmental action. I can't wait to talk to you again. Until then, live well green, my flourishing friends. Bye for now. Thank you.